What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This is Chris Kane. You already know what it is. Um, for some of you who aren't on the West Coast, you probably heard about this in the last week. Uh, we did experience a couple of earthquakes out here. Very scary. The first one wasn't that bad in the area I was in. The second one was legit. It was uh, kind of like a movie. The shutters in my windows were going crazy. My TV almost fell over. Literally, the building was like like convulsing, really, is what was happening. And it was very sudden. You just kind of, I was sitting there and I was like, wait, is somebody shaking my bed? And then just like all of a sudden, the whole house was shaking. And as a Floridian, I'm not accustomed to earthquakes, especially not like real ones like that one was. And it was shocking because right when it was over, you just go back to life. I'm used to earth, I'm used to hurricanes, you know, and, and hurricanes affect you for days. Like the outer bands start hitting you, then the central part hits you. And then the like trailing bands keep hitting you. And then you got to do all the damage of a hurricane. Just trees, power lines, all that good stuff. So, you know, I'm used to just complete devastation and then having to like kind of cope with it. This was, at least where I was, intense shaking for, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds of just literally like the whole world shaking around you, it felt like. And then it just stopped. And the TV's on. And you go back to like cooking or taking a shower and you just kind of like kind of go back to life. And it's such a weird idea because if you're closer to the fault line, then, yeah, there was complete devastation. Like there are, you know, houses that had their foundations broken. Some streets got literally cracked in half and stuff. So, you know, some people experienced it way worse than us. This video of stores having their shelves just completely falling over and destroying and all that good stuff. But where I was, it was just shake, shake, shake. And then. No mas. And so it was It was kind of a weird thing because the next day someone called me and said, hey, man, are you okay from the, the earthquake? And I had actually almost forgotten it had happened. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm straight, man. What? I was like, why are you calling me? And I was like, oh, yeah, they saw the news and said they felt this in Vegas, and that's four hours from me. And I was like, okay, it's probably a bigger deal than, you know, I let on. But so if you guys are curious, I'm fine. No structural damage. Car is fine. Um, house is fine. Everything's good. We're a little concerned there will be a third earthquake because there's been two in the last week. But until something happens, then we'll just assume that we dodged the bullet. Today's podcast has absolutely nothing to do with earthquakes. <laughs> it was just I want to update people in case you were curious. I was introduced to a concept recently by one of my bosses that I guess has been around for some time. I just never heard of it before. And it's called the four burner theory. And it's just like the burners on your stove. And the sections that they kind of pre-set for it are your family is a burner, your social life is a burner, your career, and then your health. And the theory is for you to be successful, one of these burners has to be pretty much off. And to be really good at something, like an expert, at least two have to be off. And so it brings into question sacrifice, choices, work-life balance, all those things that we all struggle with. I never thought of this concept until it was presented to me, but I've always struggled to find 
balance. I've mentioned this to you guys before. I even wear yin-yang because of it, because I believe that that's the goal. We're trying to find some balance. I don't believe in this burning candles at both ends and you know, I don't do drugs and stuff, so but that kind of goes hand in hand with that kind of lifestyle. And I just I think so many people are off kilter because they're not balanced at all. They give everything to the gram and nothing to reserve and keep for themselves. They spend 80 hours a week at work and are unsatisfied with their job and they make money, but then spend the money on just whatever. It's just a weird situation. And so my boss asked me, you know, why are you here? Why did you move to California? He asked me just a number of questions. He didn't know me. And I started talking to him. He was kind of going into where are you giving your energy to? Which burners are you trying to turn on? And I told him I want to turn them all on. That's <laughs> Who doesn't? I want everything to be balanced. I want everybody to be happy. I want to have all my time where I want to have it. And it sounds utopian and kind of childish. I get it. But it was an honest answer. I didn't say, well, I don't really care about my social life right now because that's you know, I'm young and I'm not tethered to, you know, wife and kids. I should be social. But I realized as I was talking that, you know, I'm in California for the most part alone. I don't have any family here. So I think just from moving out here and pursuing this, just inadvertently, my family has been largely cut out of my life. We talk, you know, every week or two. Hey, how's it going? And we don't, it's, it's fine. You know, you mean a celebrity, this couple. Oh, man, tell them I said, hey. And then they go back to their life, I go back to mine. And we keep in touch, you know, somewhat on social media. But I'm not really involved in their life. They're not really involved in mine. And so I was like, yeah, I guess moving out here for my career, which I guess, for lack of a better term, my passion, career, all those kind of like coalesce, I guess, I let my family down. My health is usually pretty good. Because I don't, you know, do drugs and that kind of stuff. But there are times when I'm not sleeping well because I'm up late doing comedy. So I'm doing the career part and I'm up to one, two in the morning, but then I have to wake up for work at five. And then so you miss out on the sleep part. And so now your health is thrown off. I'm a person, if I don't sleep well, then I'm not really functional the next day. I know that we've made it fashionable to hustle hard and I sleep when I die. Whatever, dude get you some sleep. I don't know what that life is like to just be on three, four hours of sleep all the time. I don't think it's healthy. I think we've got a very unhealthy relationship with coffee and energy drinks because we don't sleep well. I don't think we, I don't think you need five cups of coffee a day, but I can't tell you the number of clients I've had. I've come in and told me that, you know, I, I drink a little bit at work, you know, office meetings and, you know, boardroom stuff. But man, I just... I'm always drinking coffee. And I'm like, what do you mean always? Well, I wake up at 6, drink a coffee, then like, you know, around 10. Then, you know, I have one around 3 when I'm getting to I'm like, how many, you just drinking coffee all day? Like, that's, you don't think that's a problem? That's not what it's designed for. Wasn't it the best part of waking up? It's, I was going to sing it, but I'm not, I'm not a good singer. <laughs> like the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. It didn't say the best part of your mid-afternoon drive is Folgers in your flask. Right? Some of y'all drink coffee right now, so you can't even vibe with what I'm saying. I get it. And um and I realize socially as well, like I don't really I'm not as sociable as I should be. And so as it was all being kind of dawned on me, I realized that 
I'm seeking some level of equilibrium and balance and all that. And really, a couple of my burners were just not firing, yet I also wasn't mastering the burners that were on, which was alarming and a little bit humbling. Because you would think if I'm sacrificing something, that you guys know I had to sacrifice for almost a year to be able to move into this, the like condo I'm in now because of where I was before that. And during that time, I was antisocial. <laughs> it was the opposite. It was like, I'm not going out. I don't want to think about spending money on cover, on parking. I don't have any expendable money for that. I'm not doing it. And because of where I was living, I didn't want any girls coming back to my house. I mean, I would occasionally go to theirs, but it wasn't like, you're not coming to my house. If you see the way I'm living, you would never talk to me again. I don't want to talk to myself. And But what was happening is that I was really, I spent a lot of time with myself. And I got really introspective. And I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of mental gymnastics to kind of figure out who I am, where I am. Do I want to really be here? Meaning not like in the earth, like in this state. Um, Do I need to reset? Do I need to go back? All these questions that people kind of tiptoe around, these very serious me questions that people don't want to look in the mirror for. I got really deep into that. And really kind of got to the like the rue of what made me who I was. Why are you here? Why do you think you can do this? How did you get yourself in a situation where you can't have people over? Why are you in why you had to take a year off to reset the year you had before? All these questions that were really hard to kind of take onus of. It's easy to blame society. Man, it's not me, man. You know the man cut me down or I had a company and then it failed. Like it's easy to just pass the buck, but really it was on me. And that was a rough part, but I was really cognizant of everything I was doing. Like I was sleeping better because I didn't have other stimuli distracting me. Um, I thought about where I was a lot. I was very, I think, empathetic during that time, even more so than normal. I think I'm naturally an empath, but at this time, because I was so in my head and so in my in my feelings and all that stuff, I was connecting to people more. And when people were suffering and having battles, I felt more keen to it. And so I got closer to coworkers, like, hey, you all right? And it's like, oh, you can tell I'm not, I'm not good? I'm like, yeah, I just, I know I can feel you because I was maybe in a similar place. And it led to a year of really kind of being in exile until I could get to where I wanted to get to. And so that's kind of the, the nature of the business, I guess. It's the burner on, burner off thing. It's, it's I don't know all the rules to it. I don't think anyone does. Like I've read up on this and done some research on it. There's no like no hard and fast rules of it. I've realized in my own life, this is a thing that I need to I'm working on now, is that the more I'm involved with women, the less comedy I do. I'm not sure why that is, because women have there's a lot of funny things that I associate with women. Like dates are funny. Especially bad dates, which I've had a lot of. Um, they're funny. And you would think, oh man, the more you interact with like newer people and the more dates you go on and the more outings you do, you should have more material because you're doing different stuff than you normally do. And I don't know what happens if it's just, 
you know, hookup culture, like the girl comes over at six or seven, y'all hang out till, you know, 10 or 11. You're not doing comedy at midnight. You've been posted up. And then on the weekend, hey, let's go out and do stuff. All right, cool. And it's just like those nights and those times when you normally would tell jokes, you don't. But you don't see it as a, as a bad thing because, you know, you get to be with women and women are awesome and funny. <laughs> and so and I haven't found a good balance of that since I've been in L.A. So when I'm really like hitting stages hard and really being, I think, the funniest that I should be, I usually don't have at least consistent women in my life. But when I'm, you know, more or less booed up, I don't know, I'm not funny. And I don't know why that is. And I haven't quite, I mean, I gave you guys the example of, you know, hanging out, blah, blah, blah. But even then, I'm not hanging out every night. I might see somebody two or three times a week. That means I should be doing comedy four nights a week, right? The other days to kind of at least balance it out. That's in the ideal four burner situation. But what actually happens is those nights I have off, I'm tired probably. I woke up early. I stayed up late with somebody. Or then it's like, well, I could do comedy tonight or I could sleep in. And sleep's super important. I've already mentioned that I don't operate well without sleep. And so then you get into that situation where it's like, should I go out and do comedy, You know, pay to perform somewhere, drive, spend the gas money, then come home late not sleep well again, and it gets into all these choices. Everything's a choice. And I think that's what it really comes down to. I've had people recently in my life tell me how little time they have. This is friends, family, and clients. Who I had a client tell me today, oh man, I wish I could work out more than once a week. I just have the time. I said, what do you mean, once a week? So you have... It's 168 hours in a week. You have one hour to work out? Really? You're that busy? The president works out. Like, and the president should be the most busy person in the world. How are you so busy? You have one free hour to work out? Come on. Be better. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying that kind of excuse. I'm too busy to work out. I've had people tell me recently, I'm, oh, I'm too busy to chill with you. I'm too busy to, sp- to spend time with you. And on some level, you're like, all right, I get it. We all get busy. But then when you really think about it, it's like, wait a minute. I don't think that's true. I think if you really wanted to, you would. Maybe not to the level that we would like. You can give me your schedule. Like Monday, I'm working at the office till 11 and you know I got to be up at five. And like there's sometimes when it's just, you know, it's really not feasible. But then you get to like the weekend and you have some free time, maybe you have a a lunch or two during the week where you can make it work. I've always believed that if you want to be around somebody, you make it happen. I've always believed that. I've had two, sometimes three jobs at a time. I've had full class schedules with 12 to 15 credits and still made time for people who I thought were valuable. A lot of people I didn't make time for because they weren't as important. And I said, you know, I'll kind of see you when I see you or Maybe I can like loop you into a group and do like a whole group outing and you're just in the group and now I can spend time with you passively like that. But on that one on one, nah, you're not that you're not one on one important. Which sounds bad, but we all we've all done it. So when I hear someone say, I don't have time for you, after like from like more than like a week or so, like it could be a, just a really hellacious week. Finals week, for instance. Hundred percent. 
Don't worry about it. You got to study, Adderall, sleep, coffee, whatever you have to do to get through the test. I'm all about it. I get it. We've all been through school. I know what it's about. But like in regular life, two weeks, three weeks go by. Hey, man, I'm just trying to make time for you. I'm like, listen, I get it. I'm not that I'm not that important to you in the moment. That's really what you're trying to tell me is you just don't know how to say it. You want to sugarcoat it a little bit. And it's it's fine. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who would want to spend time with me and people who do make time for me. You just aren't one of them. And so you kind of you kind of go from there. And it's, you know, ego gets involved. It's like, man, you don't want to chill with me, but I'm so funny and so cute. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to be around me? But everybody goes through what they go through. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a cycle, I guess. I'm currently in this really creative space, which I guess falls into the career path, I guess, of these three, maybe social a little bit. I'm, um, I'm designing... Well, I, I'll back up. I made a logo, and I wanted to put it on merchandise, and then I wanted to sell it, which is, you know, what you do. And it took me a few weeks to, like, vet what resources were the best to do this. There's a number of options. Doing it, like, let's say it's a t-shirt, which is mostly what this is. You can either buy a t-shirt press, which has its own startup cost, but wholesale shirts, you know, say you buy 100 and you just print them up, and then you try to move them. That's one. That's one avenue. You can have someone make the shirts for you at a cost, and then sell to them. But then they usually mark it up because they have to make their own money. Another avenue. And then you got to take into account shipping and all that good stuff. It took a lot of research, a lot of people competing with each other. So it's a really, you know, saturated environment. But what I ultimately saw was I think the best avenue would be to go through Amazon. And Amazon has, I guess, two ways of doing stuff on Amazon. You can be a company who has a product already and use Amazon to just distribute it. And Amazon gets a piece of what the product is, but they don't actually make it. And that's, you know, akin to the first strategy. You have all the stuff, you just need to move it. Amazon will move it for you. The second is Amazon has a feature where they'll make and move the product for you, but they get a lion's share of the profits. And they use their Prime Network to distribute the products, which is awesome because most people at this point, I think, have Amazon Prime or know someone who does and can kind of use it. But that's not as popular and it's hard to kind of get into it. And so that's the path I chose to take. And I'm happy to say that we've, I've been cleared. Like I'm in, I'm in that realm now. They are currently approving all my designs. They've approved probably 60% of them already. And I'm thinking by the end of the week, they should have all of them approved, which means that I'll be technically able to just sell Amazon stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, I need to like make a website and do all that other stuff to like make it a hub because the way it works is if they're selling one particular shirt with, let's say, a black logo, which I have, then that black logo and it's five t-shirt designs will all be one link like individually but if i have let's say a white logo which i also have that's a whole different link so i don't want to have like eight random links floating around I have to get a website and then make it a hub and then bring all the links into one storehouse so you go to the website and just pick the shirt you want i'm thinking within a week 
or so. I'll say a week just because I want to give myself a timetable. All the designs should be approved and the website should be done. And then I'll be hitting you guys up to hopefully support my products and then wear them yourself. But I, you know, was talking about having a logo, I know, two years ago. Then I thought about it like a year ago. And then like six months ago, I really started kind of getting into it. Then they made the logo and then they didn't know what to do with it. And it just kind of evolved into that part. So like that's one aspect of the creativity. We're also getting back to making music probably in the next week. Um, I already played you guys a little bit, a little clip of our last song. That hitter, that fire, <laughs> that smile every time I think about. And I randomly have been in a very musical mood. Again, not a musician, not a good rapper, definitely not a good singer. But for some reason... I've been driving around thinking I'm J. Cole, maybe because of the Revenge of the Dreamers album. I don't know. And I've been randomly excited to make music. And in addition to that, we have another show coming up in a couple weeks. I'm going to actually outsource some of the marketing, like actually pay other people to market it a little bit so that I can still pop off. And so I'm kind of in this whole creative sphere, this whole space for that. And... While this has been happening, like my regular work clientele has just kind of been stagnant. Like the summer is a rough time for personal trainers. Clients travel. And when they travel, we don't make money. So that kind of sucks. But now, because I'm in this creative mind, I'm beta testing this week, like Skype and online training. I've never done it before. I've mentioned it to clients when I was in Miami. I said, when I move, I'm going to do it. And then they got excited and I never did it. I definitely dropped the ball on that. Don't feel good about it. But I thought it would be more logistics involved because I know at some point, one-on-one in person is easy. I can feed you off your energy. You know, I can go grab the weight. I can demo in front of you. I can adjust your form very easily. You're right here in front of me. A lot harder on a computer and then to say if I'm at a gym, I got to take into account background noise. And, and I started thinking about what if I want to show you a deadlift, but I don't have any weight where I am to demonstrate it. All the little logistics that trainers go through. But I've been sitting with it for the last week or so and trying to figure out where there's a market for it, where I can make it work, what's the easiest way to get into it, and ultimately just start You guys know how apprehensive I am about doing stuff. Super analytical, very much in my head. And I was like, well, what if I don't have, I want him to do a 100-pound squat, but I don't have 100 pounds at the house. It's like, ultimately, I'm just demoing the squat. All I need is a bar to show hand placement, show my form. I don't need to actually do a 100-pound squat to to have a client do it. But because I'm overly analytical, I was like, they need to see me do it at the same week they're doing it. And I started getting in my head and being dumb about it. And ultimately, it's they just need to see you do it. This is where queuing, which is how we tell people to do things. This is where queuing comes in. It's like So if you're doing a squat, it's like, you know, sit your butt back like you're in a chair. Keep your knees behind your feet. All those things that you've seen on TV and probably experienced in your own training life. And when I thought about it, I said, like, I think I was overthinking what, it's required. The hardest thing would be scheduling because, you know, 
you're online. If if I say meet me at the gym at nine, you don't show up at nine. We have issues. But if you're like, oh, I have a computer session with my client or with my trainer. You know, maybe you spend a little longer at Starbucks, a little bit less urgency to get to the computer. There'll probably be some scheduling quirks like that where people just don't have that, you know, gusto to do it because they're not meeting with a person face to face. But we will work it out because we're just going to do it. And sometimes you just got to do it, not knowing how it's going to go. It may, it will probably be bad at first because you have to work out logistics and you know, kinks and all that stuff, but you got to do it. And then down the line, it gets smoother. And before you know it, it works, at least to the capacity that it needs to. So while this creative burner is like really on, on fire, um, I really, I'm, I have not really been social recently. <laughs> so that burner turned off. My health is solid. I'm good there. And My family burner is low, but I've already mentioned to you guys my brother recently, and I think that's going to be the next burner to turn on, because I was thinking about how they turn off and on. They kind of happen randomly. I didn't say, let me be creative, and that creative stuff happened. It kind of lended itself to it, and then it kind of did what it did. I believe... If you're aware that a burner is not active in your life, I think that's a good thing. Like, you shouldn't blame yourself that, dang, I haven't really been around my friends lately. Like, it sucks because we choose our friends. So it's, I haven't really been a good friend. Like, that's a real, it's a real possibility. We've all been there before. Um, maybe you missed a birthday. You missed, like, some event that was important to them because you had some commitment. It's tough because they hold a, a, a grudge for a little bit. But I think if you're aware of the fact that your burner is not on, that means that that's probably the next burner you're going to try to put on. Hey, I haven't been around my friends for the last couple weeks. I need to reconnect with my friends. And then you can manually, we're using the burner analogy, turn the gas up. Hey, you know what, guys? Why don't we take a trip? Oh, what do you want to do? Uh, I'm in California. Let's go to San Diego for the weekend. Woo! You know, call off work, go down, and just like spend a couple days with your friends. Like they'll almost forget the last three weeks you weren't there because you spent two consecutive days with them. Now, during that time, again, you had to call off work. So now you're not working. So your career maybe takes a minor hit, but your friendship gets a major plus. And I think being aware of the fact that certain burners aren't working is really, that's really the key. I think if you don't know your burners aren't on, that's when you're kind of in trouble. When you're so buried into one that the rest are just kind of like, hey, we need a little gas. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I haven't talked to anybody recently. I guess I have been sick a lot more lately because I'm burning my body at both ends. I'm not eating well. You know, I've put on a couple pounds because I'm just stressed. Like it, it just sneaks up on you. Almost all the clients I talk to who've gained more weight than they, you know, care to admit, always kind of tell me the same thing. It snuck up on me. I didn't. I wasn't actively trying to gain weight. I don't know anyone who does. No one's like, I'm going to gain 20 pounds of fat. No one's ever said that. Yet most people I talk to, that's exactly where they are. Man, I'm probably like 15 pounds over. What happened? I don't know. 
it just I woke up one day, pants were a little tighter, shirt didn't go as low, wife got jokes, husband didn't look at me as you know sexy as usual. Where that fifteen pounds come from? It just snuck up. Stressed about kids, uh, major deadlines at work. Haven't really worked out for the last couple months. You know, starting to drink wine at night, which is like a double-edged sword because it's all that sugar, and then you're going to sleep on it, all those empty calories, and it just snuck up on me. So, I challenge you guys to like assess your burners, see which ones are on and which ones are not. And sometimes you, again, like I mentioned my story, you turn some off person, you turn them off purposefully. All right, forget, this is, I guess, in my case, all right, I'm not really dealing with women on this level for like the next couple. I have to really get my focus up. Hey, you want to go on a date? Nah, not right now. I don't say it like that. I was, <laughs> I'm not a jerk. But ultimately, it's like, oh, I wish I could, but I'm kind of working on a project. But I would love to in a couple of weeks. And I said, all right, well, hopefully you're not dating somebody and we can make that work. Um, I had an idea, and I don't know if this is even feasible, but there are four burners, and I think there, there are four seasons. And I wondered, would it be efficient to like give all your, mostly all, of your gas to one burner at a time for seasons? And I guess, so let's say like the final season is like, you know, from... What, October to December? That's usually the most amount of time people spend with their families. From Halloween to Thanksgiving to Hanukkah to Christmas to New Year's to Kwanzaa. All those things all happen in the last few months. That's also when school lets out mid to mid-December. So you have a break. You can vacation. So if you were like not really close to your family most of the year, but you gave them... Say you flew home three times from October to December, would that be sufficient for them? Assuming you don't live near your family. If you live near them, then I guess you don't have a choice. But if you don't live near your people and it's like, hey, you know, maybe I see you guys once, twice throughout the year, but then from the last three months, you're going to see me, you know, four or five times, they'll be like, you know, man, I'm happy I get to see him that often. And then in work, like quarter one is probably the most important, right? You're getting a year started. So let's say you are a business person and you just say this first two, three months of the year, not going out, not spending extra money, giving all my energy to the business. Get that quarter one popping, hopefully set a good foundation for the rest of the year and then just kind of go. And then that's where it's where people do their resolutions, right? Resolutions are usually quarter one, but you can flip that too. Let's say from January to March, I'm going to get in really good shape. Because during the summer, you know, things kind of fall off, taking trips. Like, there's, there may be a logic to it. I don't do it myself, so I can't advocate for it. It's just a thought that if the seasons and the burners we have kind of change on their own, if you tried to put parameters on it, would it be a more efficient way to do it? Possibly not. Could fail miserably. <laughs> I mean, you almost by definition you're neglecting some burner for nine months out of the year so it's like that may not be the best way to do it it may be a month by month situation 
That might be an easier way to do it. All right, January is my health month. February is my business month. You know, March is my family month. Like, you may just have to do it month by month. And I don't, that may be inefficient, too. But I just think that at some point, all our burners should be on throughout the year. And I don't know there's a way to have them all on for a prolonged period of time and also be really good at what you do. I don't know if there's any evidence to suggest that that's the case. Because a lot of people I know who are great at what they do are obsessive about it. If you're obsessive about anything, that means you're neglecting other stuff. So would it be cool to find that perfect harmony? Yeah, probably. I think it would be interesting, but I don't know if it's possible. And if it isn't, then how close can we get to it? Can we have three burners really popping and just that one that's just got a little flicker to it? I don't know. Check your own life. See what burners are on. See which ones are off. And maybe you can turn something on that needs to needs some attention. Let me know. As always, thank you guys for listening. I hope this was helpful to you. Uh, it's something that's kind of changed the way I think about my own situation. So it's been really helpful to me to even think about it this way. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns, hit me up on social media at Sexy Comedy. Tell your friends, family, repost, all that good stuff. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Deuces.